What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It gives me great pleasure to welcome you back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. My time of recording it is 6.13 p.m. on Thursday. Is it Thursday? Thursday, December 10th, 2020. And with me on the other line, on the other end of the Zoom, are two very good friends of mine and very good friends of the pod, Seth Blaustein and Deron Fernandez and Brian. Boys, say hi to the people. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, people. I think grapefruit is a good snack. Grapefruit? is not something that has ever been a good snack for me, but to each their own and to anybody. Uh, on behalf of Seth and Duran, we first want to wish everybody well. I hope everybody is staying safe and uh, healthy and socially distanced and wearing masks and all that jazz. Um, Duran, Seth, how are you guys? Uh, I can't complain. Um, I am uh, out in the woods in Western Mass and... <laughs> Very easy to say socially distant out here. Excellent. And Seth, the uh, lakes, uh, I, was, I, was about, I, was about to, I was about to say where you live, like specifically, but in, you know, <laughs> the, 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 part of the, the part of Massachusetts where you live. Yeah. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Uh, if anyone's looking to move, there are two condos for sale on the block. Oh, there you go. Uh, how's, how's your dog, Kugel? Well, thank you for asking, AJ. Uh, if you want to check out my Instagram to look at pictures of Kugel, she's doing great. She's very pretty. <laughs> we did some good belly rubs this morning. Good to hear. Uh, we are talking today about the Eastern Conference. I did the Western Conference with my boy Dan Perez yesterday. And we're going to start with the team. We're going to, just like the Western Conference, we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to start with the 15th seed in the East last, last season. And we're going to go up as we go um, and talk about each team and whether we think they're going to do better, worse, or the same and what we think is most compelling or interesting, if anything, about said teams. So we're starting with the 15 seed in the East from last season. That would be the Cleveland Cavaliers, who went a whopping 19-46 and 46 last year, and their offseason was as follows. They drafted Isaac Okoro fifth overall. They traded uh, for JaVale McGee. They traded uh, Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney for JaVale McGee. They re-signed Matthew Della Vadova, big re-signing, uh, and signed Damian Dodson and Thon Maker. Duran, are the Cavaliers going to be better? It's impossible for them to be worse. Are they going to be better than the 15th in the East this year? So uh, when I went and started to do research for this like an hour ago, the top story on their ESPN page was about LeBron and Kyrie and him feeling hurt about something that happened, you know, while they were both in Cleveland. And if that's the most relevant news for you as the, new, as the preseason kicks off, I believe tonight or tomorrow night, then that's that's really sad. Um, I, I think that, you know, they have the potential to be better, but they're players who are, you know, all wrapped up in potential, basically, that, you know, that's been what they've been drafting. Haven't really done much. Um, I would keep an eye on the uh, other Ke uh, Porter Jr., and that is Kevin. Kevin Porter Jr., that's right. Yeah, um, he was a first Frisky. round last year, and he he might turn into a halfway decent player. So, um, overall, are they, they going to be good? No, no, they're going to be terrible. <laughs> Seth, any flashes? Seth, anything to add about the Cleveland Cavaliers? Anything interesting or compelling? Yeah, a couple things. First, looking at the transactions, if you look at it incorrectly, uh, it looks like they signed Dwayne Wade, but it's actually Dean Wade. <laughs> um, they do have a few basketball players. Like, I'm not trying to talk myself into them as an eight seed, but Kevin Love might be healthy for half a season. Um, it's at least interesting or compelling to see the like Love, Drummond, uh, Nance Jr. lineup that, um, that O'Connor loves. You know, it's possible they win 20 games, but they're probably worse, especially losing uh, Tristan Thompson and Antti Zizic. Oh, yeah. Think, what are they going to do without Zizic? I think I'm he had potentially excited. a top 10 pick. I think I'm most excited to see uh, where Nance Jr. ends up at the trade deadline. I think Definitely. that's my most exciting Cavalier. Free Larry Nance. Uh, I, and we, we didn't mention Colin Sexton or Darius Garland. Sexton, I think, has uh, – Yeah, for good reason like has a little bit more confidence. Like I think that some guards who are wasting away, excuse me, who end up wasting away on bad teams don't have, they sort of lose the sparkle in their eye. And I think Sexton still believes that he can try and raise the team out of the gutter. So I don't think he will, but I think he believes it. And I think that's important. <laughs> I think Sexton could make his best contributions to the pun gun this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
the number 14 team from the Eastern Conference last year were the Atlanta Hawks, who were much, much more interesting to talk about than the Cleveland Cavaliers. They went 20-47 and 47 last year, and their offseason looked like this. They drafted Onyeka Okongwu, a guy who I was really hoping would somehow end up in a Celtics uniform, perhaps via draft trade. And they drafted Skylar Mays, 50th overall. They signed Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Solomon Hill, and they uh, signed Bogdan Bogdanovich to an offer sheet that the Kings did not match. They're going to have Bogdanovich as well. They do no, no longer have Jeff Teague or DeAndre Bembry or uh, Travion Graham or Scalabissier <laughs> and Vince Carter retired. And they traded Dwayne Demon to the Pistons. So, Seth, are the Pistons are the uh, Hawks going to finish better than 14th? You know, I think that they're going to finish better than 14th. Yeah, they, you know, they're uh, they're sort of the NBA podcast darlings of look at how much better they got. I'm not convinced that enough people know how to play defense. Although uh, I think we all really like what we saw out of Chris Dunn last year, and uh, we were kind of bullish on them last year because they finished two years ago going close to 500 down the last like 20 games. And then, obviously, uh, there were early season suspensions. I, they'll definitely be better. They'll certainly be entertaining. I don't know if they're going to make the kind of leap that other people are suggesting they might. Deron, what say you about the Atlanta Hawks? Um, I think that they would have made the playoffs last year if not for John Collins getting uh, suspended, uh, which was, you know, pretty unfortunate because he's he's really fun to watch um but they seem to have a lot of big guys and i would be surprised if they're not making moves um before the trade deadline as well um i'm i'm looking to see cam reddish or deandre hunter either one take a leap forward and actually if one of them does and my money's on hunter then they're definitely going to make the playoffs it is very strange to me that the owner of the Atlanta Hawks, whose name is escaping me, put pressure on both uh, Travis Schlenk, the GM, and Lloyd Pierce, the head coach, for the team to get better now and to make the playoffs now, especially in a season where them being better and making the playoffs wouldn't result in better ticket revenue because there isn't going to be ticket revenue because there aren't going to be fans because of COVID. I, in general what do we think about the strategy that the Hawks are taking where you have an exciting young player, Trey Young, who started the all-star game last year in his second year, can't defend a tree, but is a really, you know, fantastic offensive player that little kids want to have their, his Jersey. What do you think about an owner putting his thumb on the scale and being like, let's get the team much better, much quicker. Well, I think, for Trey Young fans, it's exciting because they could actually wear his jersey, especially the tiny young ones. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the Hawks need to – they've been pretty mediocre for the almost the entirety of their existence since they moved from St. Louis to Atlanta. Yeah, right, I, they, I they, saw they, that, AJ. They won a championship in St. Louis, which you were just going to call me out on. But, <laughs> but since then – They've just been pretty mediocre. I'm pretty sure the 2015 60 win Hawks were the only conference finals team that they've ever had ever like in Atlanta, in Atlanta, I'm pretty sure. So they don't have a culture of winning. And so, yeah, I think the idea that they want to push that uh, culture in, in a direction towards being a winning team every year makes sense. Seth, you got anything to add about like sort of the approach that the Hawks are taking as an organization and as a franchise? I think they made the right decisions and I think they'll be entertaining. And uh, I think they're a team that's going to have to uh, quote, learn how to win. You know, they'll probably have a disappointing first round exit and then it'll build on that next year. But you know, Trey Young's fun. They got a lot of fun players. We'll see how, how it goes. I, I would be intensely interested to see how they handled the John Collins thing, especially because of the glut of guys they signed uh, in free agency. I don't think that that Gallo contract is going to look, I don't think it looks very good now, and I do not think it's going to look very good when he gets uh, a bunch of little nicked-up injuries and misses some, misses some time. The team that finished 13th in the Eastern Conference last year were the Detroit Pistons, who had, needless to say, a fireworks show of an, off, of an offseason. They went 20-46 and 46 last year. Their offseason looked like this. They, it's uh, crazy. 
They drafted Killian Hayes, seventh overall, Isaiah Stewart, 16th overall, Sadiq Bay, 19th overall, and a guy named Saban Lee, uh, 38th overall. They uh, traded for <laughs> DeLon Wright, uh, Rodney Magruder, Dwayne Dedman, and they signed Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, Jaleel Okafor, Josh Jackson, and I'm pretty sure Leangelo Ball. And Mason Plumley. Yeah, Mason Plumley, three years, 25. Jaleel Okafor, Jeremy Grant, three years, 60. Um, it, and they, they no longer have Christian Wood, who signed with the Rockets, Langston Galloway, John Henson, Derek Walton, Don Maker, a bunch of people that are out the door. So a lot of overturn, uh, turnover, I should say. Uh, Duran, what, if anything, is interesting or compelling to you about the Detroit Pistons, and will they finish above or below 13th? Um, I think they finished right around at the same spot. I think I'd, I'm a little confused as to what the direction of their offseason was. I, you know, Seth said it seemed like Atlanta made all the right moves. Detroit made a bunch of really confusing moves. That, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, again, it, for, they're going to be really interesting at the trade deadline. I think that they may end up getting getting a whole mess of really nice draft picks from other teams um, for some of these guys. Like I could, I could see a contender being really excited about bringing Jeremy Grant in, or Wayne Ellington for some shooting, or Mason Plumlee for some energy. Like, but none of these players on their own excite me, particularly around an injured superstar in Blake. Well, star. I won't say super anymore in Blake Griffin. I, I don't think that uh, they are necessarily going to trade Grant no matter how poorly the season goes. But Mason Plumlee definitely, especially if the team has some uh, some injuries at center and is looking for a, a steadying force, then uh, Mason Plumlee is, is that, as long as you don't want your steadying force to have a jump shot. Seth, what say you about the Detroit Pistons? I'm just looking at, uh, at ESPN. It looks like two of their top, 12 scorers per game last year are still with the team. Uh, so I'm interested in, in what happens with Derek Rose. I actually think they can be better. I like Blake Griffin when he's healthy. I don't know. I don't understand their offseason decisions and how they justified paying uh, Jeremy Grant that much money. But they have some basketball players, you know. Like Jeremy Grant's a, a nice player to have. He's not worth $20 million a year, but... If you have a roster with a few of those guys playing well, I can't oh, – sorry, I'm trying to talk myself into it. It's not working. Yeah, I don't see who you put next to Blake Griffin uh, if, you're, if Blake's going to play the four. I don't know whether you put Plumlee or Jaleel Okafor or whomever next to him. It doesn't, that doesn't sound like a, a good offensive 4-5 combo, and I just don't know who outside of Derrick Rose and Blake uh, can go get their own bucket even moderately efficiently. I don't. Jeremy Grant has never been that guy, even though – uh, he's been an excellent role player. So I, I, I agree with you guys. I'd say right around 13th is, is where they're going to end up again. They don't, they don't strike me as particularly compelling, even though uh, them signing a bunch of centers and all the jokes about them watching that Nuggets super center lineup from the bubble and, and taking it and running with it uh, was quite funny. The team that finished 12th last year in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks, were 21-45. and 45. And their offseason was really fairly quiet and not uh, a catastrophe by Knicks standards, right? They drafted Obi Toppin, eighth overall, Emmanuel Quickly from Kentucky, 25th overall. They traded for Omari Spellman and Jake Evans. They also signed Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, and Austin Rivers. And they lost Bobby Portis, Mo Harkless, Kadeen Allen, Damian Dodson. And they traded Ed Davis to uh, the Jazz. The Timberwolves? Somewhere. Ed Davis. Somewhere. Or no, did they? Or did they yeah, yeah, yeah. And they waved Taj Gibson Wayne, and Wayne Ellington. No, I, no, I, I kind of like Ed Davis, but whatever. That's not either here nor there. Um, the New York Knicks are one of the biggest jokes of a franchise in all four major sports, but this was a surprisingly um, not incompetent series of moves. Would you guys, uh, Seth, would you agree with that? Do we call it not incompetent because they didn't do anything to horribly damage themselves? Yes. I don't see that they actually did anything. It's They kept the same team, and then they're going to say that, like every year, they're getting ready for the big free agent class, and then they won't sign anyone 
and then they'll do the same thing. So, I mean, they, they have the opportunity to sign whatever unhappy star. I'm not necessarily saying that that's James Harden, but whomever the next unhappy star might be. Paul George in a year when his, his fresh extension kicks in and he becomes unhappy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by Nick's standards, not being humiliated by horrible signings is wonderful, but also it seems like the highlight was, oh, Nerlens Noel, like that, that's a good addition the same way that when you like grab like a running back and it's like a sleeper in, your ninth, in the ninth round of your fantasy draft and people add in the chat, like, good pick. Like, it seems like that's what they did. And I don't know, that doesn't get you anywhere. I like that analogy. What say you, Duran? I think they have like a lot of like seventh, eighth, ninth men off the bench. Um, and that's basically their roster. Like, like they signed Austin Rivers, who might might be a sixth man, but might also be their best scorer. <laughs> um, I'm excited for uh, one player on this team. Well, two. I'm excited to see what what RJ Barrett does, and uh, and Seth already knows this, but my sleeper rookie of the year pick is Emmanuel Quickly. Oh wow! Okay, he, he was the. SEC player of the year last year, um, shooting 43% from three and 93% from the line. He's also an, an absolutely lockdown defender, which I think is going to be really good next to Barrett. And um, he's 6'3 with a 6'8 wingspan, which is real similar to Donovan Mitchell. You, you've sold me on being interested in seeing what quickly has. I, I do think that the best scorer on their team might immediately be Obi Toppin. Uh, and from like from like five feet in, or mm-hmm. okay, I think Julius Randle's their best scorer. <laughs> That's probably true. He might be their worst player, but he's probably their best. <laughs> Julius Randle. I mean, uh, the idea of Tom Thibodeau coaching Julius Randle and Obi Toppin and Austin Rivers and lots of guys who are defensively challenged is quite uh, amusing to me, although I do think that Tom Thibodeau brings a level of stability that they are not used to from the head coaching position. Um, that is to say, a level of stability. Yeah, any, any, any level of stability. The New York Knicks will always be, will be the New York Knicks, but I, in my heart of hearts, want them to be relevant and good. I think that the sport is more fun when they are relevant and good. That is not to say that they are the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think that. I just think they've been such a joke for so long and so many of my New York Knicks fan friends who have been loyal Knicks Knicks fans and who have just become so accustomed to the misery and the the self-hate that comes with being a Knicks fan I just want them to be happy I want to Have you for- seen those videos of the dudes just like getting kicked in the balls repeatedly on that have been <laughs> circulating on Twitter those are Knicks fans Especially Knicks anybody who's a Knicks Jets Mets fan Oh have fun. Eat your heart out. Daily. Yeah, seriously. The number 11 team from the Eastern Conference last year were the Chicago Bulls, who went 22-43. and 43. Their offseason looked like this. They drafted Patrick Williams fourth overall, which was probably the biggest stunner of the whole draft, and had a couple of uh, second-round picks. They signed Garrett Temple in free agency, and they lost Chris Dunn to the Hawks and a couple of other people. Um. The Bulls are a team that have a couple of intriguing uh, big man prospects in Laurie Mark- Lowry Markinen, Laurie Markinen, and Wendell Carter Jr. They have a guy, a guy in Zach Levine that that people love to uh, hate on. I was about to say dunk on and make sort of a Zach Levine dunking joke, but he's a guy who is good at putting the ball in the basket and not much else, and not 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 many ways that equate to winning. Uh, what, if anything, is interesting or compelling about the Chicago Bulls to you, Duran? I think their most significant addition in the offseason is Billy Donovan as head coach. Um, they, they've amassed a, a whole mess of potential. Um, Kobe White and, like you mentioned, Laurie Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, and – even Denzel Valentine, if he still has any. Denzel left. Valentine. Um, but I think Billy Donovan's the best coach they've had since since Phil Jackson. I like him. I like him more than Tom Thibodeau, honestly. Um, sure. And and I think that they're going to be better this year. 
but I don't think they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs. I think they're going to need another season for that. And then in a couple of years, like next season, I would, I'm going to be scared of, of him bringing that talent along. Especially if they get somebody to go with it. Seth, what do you think? I think just by not having Jim Boylan, they will be better. <laughs> yeah. They're a fun team. We thought they'd be good last year and they, they definitely weren't, but Levine has gotten better. He's not embarrassing. It's not someone who scores 25 points and you feel horrible about it. Right. He certainly has a ways to go, but he's a fantastic offensive player. And there's a lot of young talent that could develop. I, I could see, like, they're not going to make the playoffs, but I could see them being a lot better this year. I don't think that, I don't think that Thibodeau is a worse coach than, or I'd rather, I'd say Thibodeau is a better coach for that team than uh, Donovan, but we can argue about that separately. Yeah, I mean, the, Billy Donovan came into Oklahoma City and immediately had to deal with coaching Russell Westbrook for the majority of that. And as soon as he didn't have to deal with coaching Russell Westbrook, granted he had Chris Paul, they were the biggest overachievers in the NBA. Oh, yeah. So, I thought they were good. I mean, just, I mean, you know, there's been some revisionist history on Tibbs, but he was great for those Rose, Noah. He, he did win coach of the year. Um, I'm, I'm not arguing that he wasn't good. I'm just saying I, I, like, I like Donovan's style more. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, Donovan isn't necessarily going to play Zach Levine 47 minutes a game the way Tibbs would. Uh, the next team that we are going to talk about, the team that finished 11th in the Eastern Conference, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10th last year in the East, making sure that I'm right, are the Washington Wizards. Give me some reggae horns. Who went 25 and 47. And they added Russell Westbrook. They traded John Wall for Russell Westbrook. They drafted Denny Avdia um, and Cassius Winston from Michigan State. Uh, They added Anthony Gill and Rolo and Raul Neto in free agency. They traded Admiral Schofield to the Thunder. He was in that trade. I didn't realize that. Um, And they no longer have Jan Mahimni. (laughs) Tragic. And or, or Gary Payton the second. Um, the Washington Wizards are more interesting than they were last year, certainly because they have the backcourt of Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook is in a, a basically just the most is polarizing even the right word. He's just a player that makes NBA fans feel 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 things feel things strongly. He makes them feel emotions. I think makes polarizing is a good word. I think, I think he makes me incredibly excited. Uh, I love watching him play when it goes well. And even though I'm terrified of things going wrong, it's a very much a car wreck that you can't look away from when bad Russell Westbrook shows up. So what do you guys think about Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal together? Cause that's obviously the most interesting and compelling thing about the wizards. And define when I ask the question, will it work define work? And then tell me whether you think it'll work or not. Seth. Will it work? Sure. I mean, I, I, I think there'll be a playoff team. Meaning they'll, least, they'll at least get in the play play in. I think there'll be a, a yeah, sorry. I forgot about the plane. Um, I think they are a playing team and perhaps one of the better teams in that has a plan and Westbrook is likely to uh, to contribute more this year than than John Wall will, and that despite his contract, he's still a an incredible talent. And prior to getting injured in COVID last year, he was having he the last maybe what six weeks or so was some of the best ball he's played in years. It's still not a talented enough team, and I don't know if the Westbrook feel fit is perfect, but. Just having two guys that good um, in the Eastern Conference gets you to, you know, the eight seed maybe. But I'm I'm not going to be uh, sitting around on Friday night watching the Wizards on my second TV. Beal, Westbrook, Bertans, Thomas Bryant, Denny Avdia, just super entertaining. Duran, what do you think? I think I agree with Seth that they'll make the playoffs. I think that's especially easy to say in a sort of shortened season with with someone like Westbrook coming in and providing the energy he does every night. Um, I think that they're, I think they're out in round one pretty easily because they, while they do have a decent starting lineup, they don't really have much in the way of depth. So I'm, 
I'm not, I mean, I'm excited to see Russell Westbrook, you know, make a whole slew of new enemies in the Eastern Conference, but um, not not much more than that. I want to see Westbrook get Beal pumped about the team, you know? There are a couple games over 500. Beal realizes that they're going to be back in the playoffs, and you see Beal not only just sort of coldly score 30 points a game, but it seems like he's having fun a little bit more while he's at it. The next team uh, are the Charlotte Hornets. They went 23-42 and 42 last year, the Charlotte Hornets, man. What can you really say about the Charlotte <laughs> Do we need really to cover say? them? Is that, is that like a requirement of this podcast? I, I guess they're interesting enough because they drafted LaMelo Ball and several other people in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, and they signed Gordon Hayward in free agency. And they, uh, you know, they tragically lost Dwayne Bacon. So there's that. And uh, no more Bismack Biombo, no more Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, the Hornets are, are not giving the keys to, to, to LaMelo because uh, I'm not sure he's old enough to drive, but he is the person they're pinning their hopes on. Uh, uh, and they're, they're hoping that Hayward can sort of help show him the ropes. What, what would a successful season even look like for the Hornets to run? Oh man. Um, right. Uh, LeVar ball never touches down in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I think, I think a successful season for them is Hayward stays healthy all year, which, you know, could be, I, I, I it would really shock me, but um, it could be. And uh, PJ Washington takes a leap love me some pj Washington. takes a leap forward uh i don't i can't pronounce their coach's name i think it starts with a k um but uh he's talked about playing pj washington at the five this year so they're gonna run i'm in um and i think they're gonna be a decent watch but uh if they make the playoffs i would be stunned I, I think that that is – you answered the question there at the end that what a successful season for them looks like is being in the plan. And with the best versions of Rozier, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, Bridges, uh, LaMelo Ball, and Hayward, a healthy – the best version of Hayward is an East All-Star, and they could make the plan. That's, that's, that's where I – uh, fall on the Hornets. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. In fact, I would bet money on it not happening. Seth, what do you think? I think the most the most important things in their success, most important thing for their success this year is not where they finish in the standings, but how good Lamelo Ball is. I mean, the the development of Bridges, Graham, uh, Malik Monk, obviously, PJ Washington are important. Uh, but is Ball going to be a star? It, you know, if, if he is as advertised and they come in 12th in the conference, I think that's a win. And that, you know, if he's as advertised, they also could come in seventh. But I think the biggest thing is making sure that, uh, that they hit on that pick. We'll see. I actually am fascinated to watch him play because I have, I, of all the top couple picks that are, have been in the last handful of drafts, I really have no idea if he could be, it wouldn't surprise me if he was excellent or if he was out and out awful. Um, we are now getting into the thick of things because we are talking about the eight teams that made the playoffs in the Eastern Conference last year. That being said, we're starting with the Orlando Magic, <laughs> who went 33. We're not in the thick of things yet. <laughs> who went 33 and 40 last year and who drafted Cole Anthony 15th overall and signed Dwayne Bacon. And they lost DJ Augustine and Wes Awundu and a couple other people. And they are for the most part, the same team they've always been, except for uh, DJ Augustine. So what, if anything, just gets you interested in the Orlando Magic, Seth? Isaac is out for the year, right? Uh, Jonathan Isaac, yeah. Yeah, okay, so not that. Um, th- whatever trade they make with Aaron Gordon sort of interests me. Or Vucevic. And, oh, and Marco Holt. What? Or Vucevic or Fournier. No, just the Gordon trade interests me. And, uh, and Marco Fultz, I, I'm rooting for that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Deron, what do you think? Um, 
I think the my most interesting thing is to see if 500 is good enough for the playoffs this year. Um, I I don't think it is. I I feel like this team, and and I'm I'm with Seth and in, in rooting for Markel Fultz, but I feel like this team is like the island of misfit toys. Mm-hmm. And they just they're chronically underachieving. Mo Bamba is the definition of a misfit toy, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know their their arms are too long. They're you know they're just not. They're not. They're 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 absolutely lock it in, lock them in for the play in. <laughs> uh, you know, I lock wouldn't them even in do for that. seven to ten. Lock them in. You don't. You think they could fall further than that? You think they could be out of the play in? So the the remind me again. The play in is seven to ten. Seven to seven ten. to ten. Oh man, lock them in for oh, seven God. to eleven. Uh, I want to see what uh, Fultz looks like now that DJ Augustine's out of the picture because it means that he's going to get really to be the, the the point guard there. And I want to see what they can, what assets they could potentially get for any of those guys because I think Fournier or Vucevic or Aaron Gordon could be helpful to other teams if other teams see fit to trade for them. The next team we're talking about. Now, are we saying now can we say we're in the thick of things with these top seven teams? Now we're in the thick of yes. things. The Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets finished seventh last year. They went 35 and 37. Their offseason looked like this. They drafted one player, Reggie Perry, 57th overall. Congrats to Reggie Perry. They traded uh Bruce Brown to the Pistons and Landry Shamit to oh, excuse me. They traded for Bruce Brown from the Pistons and Landry Shamit from the Clippers. And they signed Jeff. Jeff Green! Jeff Green, man. Um, they no longer have Garrett Temple uh, and several other people that, that, that just didn't look like much of anything. But they now are gaining one Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles. And they potentially may be trading a boatload of assets for James Harden in the near future. Uh, Duran, if it were up to you and you could trade basically all the assets that the Nets have, that means Dimwitty and Lavert and Allen. And does that include Joe Harris in his newly signed deal? I don't, I don't think so. I don't even know. No. And, uh, you know, at least three picks and two swaps the way that they did for, for the, the way the Bucks did for Drew Holiday. Are you doing that for James Harden? If, if it's my decision and mine alone. Yes. No but I don't really enjoy watching James Harden play basketball and I don't see him coexisting well with two other, maybe three other ball dominant players. Um, I honestly, I think what, what it comes down to for the nets for me is everyone's everyone that I've heard this year talk about, um KD's recovery and how he looks like he's almost the same player and blah 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 and like that's you know maybe he is but no one's ever come back and actually been the same player after an Achilles tear and so but if anyone were going to it'd be him and that's, that's the anybody anybody we're going to 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 come back I I, I feel like Durant post whether it's whether it's right now and the Achilles accelerated it or he's going to get to it in a couple of years. He's just going to become, you know, late prime Dirk for several years, like still all-star good, just not MVP good. Cause he's the best scorer I've ever seen. Let's let's, I pose this question to you, Seth. Let's assume that the Nets don't make this James Harden trade and they go into the year with KD, Kyrie, Levert, Allen, Harris, Dinwiddie, um, and and they and they roll it out. What do you think realistically happens with that team? Yeah. So what we've learned is that when these teams get formed with, I don't want to say super team, but you got a couple stars who haven't played together. There are high expectations, and it takes a while to work things out. So I think there will be some growing pains there. They have a lot of talent that hasn't played together, and um, I'd see them as the in the three to five range in the East, but also it could mean that they're the best team in the second half of the season and that they either have a great playoffs or implode. I'm sort of interested in what Kyrie will end up doing this year between like whether he writes a book or lectures Steve Nash about 
what it means to be an American or retires to run for senator or, you know, however he starts throwing uh, Durant under the bus. But to answer the actual question, I think you know, they can end up three to five and there will be some early season panicking about, hey, is this not working out? What's wrong with Durant? Like, can these guys play together? Because we need things to talk about. Is this the first team we've talked about where, I mean, I'm ultimately asking the question to both of you, but I'll have Durant answered first. It does the best case scenario for this season in this team is their ceiling actually an NBA title? I, I think it is, and I think it is, but I think it has to start with moving Levert. Um, Levert's really talented, but he doesn't seem to be able to tap into that talent unless he has the ball in his hands a lot, and there isn't a lot of that to go around. Um, if they can move him for couple complementary pieces, then they're going to be really difficult to deal with. Ideally complementary pieces that can play defense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I'm, I'm excited to see what Steve Nash can do. I, I mean, with Mike D'Antoni on the bench as well, I'm not worried about Steve Nash. I wasn't worried to begin with, but I'm less worried now. And and yeah, I, I think they can definitely make and well, I think they they have the the ch- a chance to lose to the Lakers in the finals. Yeah. All right, I'll buy that. I think so. They're the first team we've talked about where they 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 could win the NBA championship. The next team that we're talking about is another team that potentially has a chance to trade for James Harden, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers, who went forty three and thirty this past off season, and their off season looked like this they drafted Tyrese Maxey a player I really wanted the Celtics to draft at 14 uh, although I've talked myself into Aaron Neesmith uh, and they traded for Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson and Seth Curry who they traded Josh Richardson for uh, and Tony Bradley and they signed Dwight Howard and uh, they traded out Al-, Al Horford to the Thunder and got off that contract and they uh, traded Zaire Smith. That was kind of a sad sort of arc and the ending of his arc there to the Pistons. Uh, and they uh, lost a couple players in free agency, Alec Burks, Neto, uh, Kyla Quinn, et cetera. Duran, did the, are the Sixers better now than they were going to be if Simmons hadn't gotten hurt last year? And do you think that they are hmm, have the highest ceiling of any of these teams in the East? I think they have a lot of caveats. I wouldn't say that they have the highest ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. that, that There's just too much talent elsewhere. I think that they have the potential to have the pieces that they have on the team now fit together better than anyone else. Um, it's going to take some, it's going to take some time. And I, I really, I think like Danny Green has had a hell of a run. I just I feel bad for him that he escaped Dwight Howard, <laughs> and then Dwight Howard followed him to Philly. Um, you know that's that's you, that's tough. Do you think that uh, the combination of Doc and Daryl Morey and are going to be able to tap into the best version of the Sixers on the court with Simmons and Bede and a bunch of shooting around them, Seth? Probably. <laughs> if it's going to happen, it's going to be this year. They, they built a roster that has shooting, makes the pieces make more sense. Although I, I thought Horford made sense last year. It clearly didn't work out. And surprisingly, yeah. I was wrong with someone who was on the Celtics. Hmm. This, this team makes sense to me, but I also don't really trust anyone on it. I mean, I don't trust Embiid or Simmons. You don't trust either of them? No, like, I mean, nothing that would happen to either of them would surprise me. Like Embiid has never been in shape, and I know it's look. I'm almost five foot eight. Um, I'm a Jewish five ten, as you all know. Yes. I don't know what it's like to have a frame like that um, and that many foot surgeries. And it's great that he's stayed uh, healthy or on the court, but he also hasn't been conditioned. And Ben Simmons is I don't know. He just kind of sucks. Like as a player, he's fantastic, but as a person, he just sucks. <laughs> And guys who, who aren't committed to improving themselves as players, it just like, I don't know what we're supposed to hope for here. I, the new leadership there should help. I don't know if that changes things overnight, but 
it's a it's a well constructed roster that I'm always irrationally scared of. So let's say they Seth, I'll pose this hypothetical to you about James Harden uh, that that I posed to Seth, but just with the Sixers. So let's say the season starts and Philly shows flashes of being devastating, but they have an injury here, an injury there, and then we head are hurtling towards the trade deadline and talks start to heat up between the Rockets and the Sixers, and you have a chance to trade uh, essentially Simmons and several uh, draft picks for James Harden. Are you going to pull that trigger? I'm not a James Harden fan, but I just think you have to. Like The guys that are top five MVP every year um, always bring their teams, regardless of who's on it, to the playoffs. Like They don't become available, and – just got to pull the trigger on those things. Uh, I, like if he came to the Celtics, which I'm assuming isn't going to happen, I would undoubtedly not like who they traded it. He's not a star I ever have wanted to trade for, but you, when guys that caliber are available, you just need to do it because you don't get chance like that very often. I, in my heart of hearts, want to see them give it a go with Simmons and Embiid because Simmons and Embiid, Two times in 2018, they lost in five games to the Celtics, and in 2019, they came within a Kawhi four bouncer against the Raptors. And both times, it felt like they had a chance to make the finals. And I want them to have another run at it together because they didn't get a chance to do it last year. That being said, I don't think they're as good as the next team that we're talking about, the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat, who finished last year at the uh, 44 and 29 at the fifth seed. They're Offseason was as follows. They drafted Precious Achua, Achua, uh, 20th overall, and they signed Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley. Um, in, in, oh, wait, wait, wait. Am I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they uh, did. And they lost Jay Crowder, who signed with the Suns, Derek Jones, who signed with the Blazers, and Solomon Hill, who signed with the Hawks. The Heat still have Bam Adebayo. They gave him an extension. They still have Jimmy Butler. They uh, gave Goran Dragic a two-year deal. They, they're, they're, they're running it back. So are the Heat going to be the better, the same, or worse than they were last year? And are they the favorites in the East heading into this year, Duran? Um, I think they're going to be slightly worse. I think last year they benefited a bit from kind of – the sort of nobody believing in them uh, and mm-hmm. and sneaking up on teams. Um, I I feel like there's got to be a way to actually defend Tyler Hero. <laughs> um, so I, I I see them I see them being good. I I think they're going to be you know top half of the of playoffs, but I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to make the finals again. I don't, I'm not picking them to go that far. And, and, and honestly, in a, an injury here or there, and, and they're going to be, they're going to be in tough shape. Seth, what do you think? I think that the heater, one of those teams were an injury here or there. They're, they hold up as well as anyone else because they have seven guys, I'm not actually counting, but probably seven guys who are all really good. Like even in the playoffs, it's like, oh, let's get someone in foul trouble, and then they still have five awesome players on the court. Regular season, I think they'll be better than last year. Like they, they finished fifth last year. I think they'll do better. I don't expect them to make the finals, but the team is going to be more talented with the young guys having another year of development. So um, you'd, you'd like to think that Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Bam will all be better. Um, you also can expect that Goran Dragic coming off a pl- uh, torn plantar fascia and him being his, the age that he is in his mid, mid to late thirties, that he may not have the same magical playoff run that he did last year. Jimmy Butler is how much left of his, is, is left of his prime. Does he, is he going to sort of, did you just question Jimmy Butler? Yes. Are, is he going to, is he going to be in third or fourth gear throughout the regular season and then gear it up for the playoffs? Is that going to affect their regular season standing? They are absolutely scorchingly dangerous because of Bam. Bam was the best player in the Eastern Conference Finals and really made uh, uh, played about as well against Giannis as you can as an individual player can in a series. Um, that being said, 
I think I agree with you that at gunpoint, I would not pick them to make the finals again. But would I be surprised if they made the finals again? No. They're very, very good. Hashtag heat culture. I think, I think we just saw Jimmy Butler's peak. Yeah, I, that's, it's, it's, it's fair to say. The idea of him, the idea of him doing better than do, out-dueling LeBron in that game five and being bent over. Yeah, in twice, two right? separate games. In two, two separate games. Two separate all-timers from Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I, I, you can't really imagine him uh, being better than that. The four seed in the East last year were the Indiana Pacers at 45 and 28. Uh, which is funny to think of them being better than the Heat, given how things turned out. So the Indiana Pacers uh, drafted a guy named Cassius Stanley, 54th overall, and they, you know, traded TJ Leaf to the Oklahoma City Thunder. But for the most part, you know, they still have uh, Oladipo and Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner, who they did not trade uh, at, any, at any point during the offseason. Uh, what is what's the most interesting or compelling thing about the Indiana Pacers, Seth? Tough question. It's a tough question, right? I, I guess th- the, the most – it's not interesting or compelling. It's are – is there any way that the, the, the Pacers aren't a 45 to 49 win team this year? 45 to 49 win team in an 82-game season, right? So whatever the oh. – Whatever the, whatever the equivalent of a 45 to 49 uh, win team in an 82 game season is. Yes, yeah. that, win, that win percentage. Uh, put, put another way, does, does anyone have a lower floor slash higher ceiling combo? I mean, sorry, the, other the way. Between that, reverse it. Is like three games. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, lower, um, lower ceiling, higher floor combo is what I meant. Yeah. And I, look, I like the guys in that team. Um, I would love to see Oladipo be back to close to his normal self. And they've got, you know, they're starting lineup are all really good players. They're not in the same class as the upper class in the East and they're far from the lower class. They, Yeah. The ceiling makes them just not a compelling team overall. Um, Brock did a great year last year though, until he got hurt. To answer the question, my own question about what's the most compelling or interesting thing. It is the my one of my very favorite players to watch in the NBA, not only because he's a lefty, but because uh, uh, I try, I would try my best to play like him if I were in shape, and that's Demonis Sabonis, and he is just so delightful uh, to watch him uh, compete, and he's such a good rebounder. He averaged twelve and a half rebounds, even though he's not an overwhelmingly big guy, and, and your arms might be longer than his. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Olenek is blushing somewhere. Uh, the the Pacers do not seem like they can hang with the big boys. That seems to be the lesson we have learned uh, over the last couple of years. Now, granted, they have not had a chance to try and compete with the big boys with all NBA level Oladipo, and you just don't th- know, and frankly, don't think that that guy is going to come back. So they, that 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 robs us of their true potential, and that has to be a bummer for their fans and for Oladipo and for everybody involved with the Pacers, but I hope that he comes back and they get a chance to, to, to play the heat Celtics Raptors or bucks or Sixers or nets in a series so that we can test that theory. Wait, so, I thought of something. Go on. If they traded Brogdon for drew holiday, got all three holidays on one team and the bucks uh, accepted or admitted that they made the wrong decision, letting him go. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Would that make Indianapolis home for the holidays? Oh, man. Man. The pun gun, that's sizzling. The zoom is is steaming. The number three seed in the East last year was a team that the three of us care very little about, the Boston Celtics, who finished the year 48 and 24. And their offseason, I don't even necessarily have to go to, to their list of transactions to tell you what they did. They drafted Aaron Neesmith, 14th overall, and some <laughs> white guy named Peyton Pritchard, 26th overall. They signed Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague and Taco Fall to a two-way contract. They no longer have Vincent Poirier. Whiskey is no longer Poirier. Or Ennis Cantor, who signed with the Blazers. Gordon Hayward signed with the Hornets. And Brad Wanamaker signed with the Golden State Warriors. Duran, are the Celtics going to be better, worse, or the same? And what is the most interesting or compelling thing about them? They're going to be better because we're homers, um, but also because <laughs> they're better. 
the most compelling thing is for me is I, my assumption is, is Jason Tatum is just going to be Jason Tatum. He's going to continue on the path to superstardom. Can Jalen Brown meet him there? Make and his first all-star they, team. Can they be, make it? Yeah. Make his first all-star team for sure. But can he, can he level up the way Tatum did last year and really make them competitive as the, uh, like a wing duo? on par with a, with a Kawhi Paul George or something along those lines, because if, if he can do that, we're going to have a lot of fun this season. Seth, what are you most excited about for the Boston Celtics? It's Tatum. It's, it's his ascension to hopefully superstardom and, and, uh, and becoming an actual closer, which he has not been to this point. He's had some shots, but, uh, he's not become a guy that you give the ball to with on your last possession and know he's going to get a bucket or draw a foul. But it's, uh, you know, he's, he's got some work to do. It's been awesome to see how he has improved over the last two years. And who knows what's going on with Kemba. Uh, I sure as hell don't. But like the Celtics are a team that I'm trying to look at them as rationally as possible. I think that they could lose in the first round or make the finals. Like, like looking at the teams in the East, I think they could beat or lose to any of them. And yeah. hopefully, hopefully things come together. The young guys improve. Marcus Smart remains Marcus Smart. And they pull off some On defense. Minutes. On defense. And, and less Marcus Smart on offense. And more of it. The Celtics' crunch time lineup uh, was kind of – you didn't know whether it would be the, the three – the Kemba and – Hayward, Tatum, and Brown all together, and Marcus Smart, right? We thought that that would be their version of this sort of mini death lineup, but that didn't include a big. And their crunch time five this year, basically swapping Hayward out for Tristan Thompson and having it be Kemba, Smart, Tatum, Brown, and Thompson. That sounds much more like a crunch time lineup that can go toe-to-toe with the other East contenders and have Tristan Thompson be a person who can bang bodies with Giannis or with Bam or with Durant or with, you know, whomever. Uh, Tristan Thompson is the most exciting thing. Chris, Tristan Thompson and my boy Grant Williams are what I am most excited about uh, for the Celtics. But, you know, I get excited about lots of different things. I'm excited to see Aaron Neesmith space the floor. I'm excited to see uh, Jeff Teague either be washed or be a decent backup point guard. Uh, you haven't even mentioned the most exciting Williams. Robert Williams, the Time Lord. Time Lord. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see if he can actually learn how to play defense. Can he navigate a pick and roll? <laughs> Other than just like a like swatting it into like the fifth row. <laughs> yeah. Or giving up a layup. Uh I can't wait to watch them. We love them dearly. Uh they're they're gonna get us through the end of the pandemic. <laughs> At what point is it not too cold to watch a basketball game outside together while separated by twenty feet wearing masks? I'm not gonna be able to do it. Forty degrees. It. Yeah. If it's right. if it's lower than can't do With it. No precipitation. Uh the team that finished second and a team that I think we all think is not gonna finish second again, uh, are the Toronto Raptors, who went fifty three and nineteen last year and were one of the feel-good stories in the NBA last year. Let's be honest. We all liked them and liked the story and enjoy, enjoyed pretty much everybody on that team. And they kind of didn't have any business taking that Celtics team to seven games, uh, and they did anyway, just with grit and balls uh, and Kyle Lowry. And they no longer have Serge Ibaka or Marcus Gasol or Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. <laughs> uh, they did sign Aaron Baines. Um, they re-signed Chris Boucher. They signed DeAndre Bembry, Alex, Alex Len. Um, and they signed – they gave Fred Van Vliet the money. Shout out to Fred Van Vliet getting paid. One of the, I think that's the biggest undrafted free agent payday ever. And good for him. What is the most compelling or interesting thing about the Toronto Raptors, Seth? What city they end up playing in? <laughs> Tampa. They're playing in Tampa. I said end up playing in. Oh, true. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, that's the most interesting thing to me. I mean, that and look, we all think they'll do worse, and I don't think any of us would be surprised if they do just as well. Like, it's not a team that you can ever count out. But if it doesn't go well, then 
then they become a really interesting trade team candidate, whether it's Lowry or or any of the other guys. But oh, they're they're always a team that you see on the schedule and don't want to play because mm-hmm. it's going to be really annoying and there are no easy wins. And yet, like they don't have the star power to make you like really concerned, even though history suggests the opposite. Duran, what piques your interest about the Toronto Raptors? I think they have arguably the most talented uh, combination of coach and front office. Yeah. Yeah. In the whole Eastern Conference, Masai, not the league, um, Masai Ujiri and and Nick Nurse, and and I think that more than anything else is going to keep them afloat. Particularly, like you said, if they they're, they're big guys, they traded out Marcus All and Serge Ibaka, two of Spain's finest, mm-hmm. for <laughs> all of Australia, and and like maybe the least athletic center in the league in Who Alex Len. Alex Len. Alex Len is is like in in the in the parlance of Jalen Rose cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, yeah, I I think one person, one player that I'm going to have my eye on as a fringe uh, All Star candidate who you might not expect is uh, OG OG Ananobi exactly. Um. We all expected you to say that. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think I think outside of this Zoom, I don't think there's a there's a a lot of a lot of people about, who yeah. who are expecting him to potentially have an All Star season. I agree with that. The 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 most compelling thing about the Toronto Raptors is what happens or does not happen with the dribbling and ball handling skills of one Pascal Siakam. That is what is going to take his game or not take it to the next level. It is what made Jason Tatum take the leap last year is uh, that Tatum's handles went from like, oh my God, look away to just completely on, had the ball on a string. And if Siakam gets, I'm not saying he's going to get Tatum level handles because he won't, not in a year. Uh, But if he significantly improves his ball handling skills and can do a lot more off the bounce and not have to uh, have Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet do it all themselves, then they have a chance to, and they have a chance to, to, to for Siakam to uh, flip the narrative that he was awful in last year's playoffs, which he was. He was terrible in that Celtics series. He has a chance for redemption there, and they can uh, put the fear of, of God into to any other Eastern Conference team in a playoff series because of how well they play team defense, even without Ibaka and Gasol and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really embarrassing for him. Yeah, and in, in the playoffs, like I've never felt more comfortable in a postseason defensive possession than when the Raptors were just having him ISO on Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart and not getting anywhere. It was okay, cool. Like this, this is a good possession for us. Great, let's move on. I never yeah. feel that way with with guys getting ISO like that. Another another compelling storyline for me is. Um, is how much does Kyle Lowry have left? Mm-hmm. Has he switched to a plant-based diet yet? Uh, <laughs> what What does he have in the tank? Because I think Fred Van Vliet is a great player. I don't think he's on Kyle Lowry's level. And if they don't have Lowry at the level he was at last year, then they're definitely going to take a drop. I am excited. Uh for them because you know i i, I enjoy i enjoy them as an organization and as uh, a can, I just, oh, sorry, can i add one more point about the raptors or about mm-hmm. lowry mm-hmm. he has no nicknames listed on basketball reference what Zero. i like that kyle lowry the caboose the caboose the caboose is loose the last team that we are going to talk about in the eastern conference before we make our predictions for who wins the conference and why the milwaukee bucks Finished last year at 56 and 17. They finished with the number one seed for the second year in a row. Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo won his second straight MVP. They traded uh, a boat for for Drew Holiday. They signed DJ Augustine and Bobby Portis and Nick Stauskas. And they no longer have Eric Bledsoe and George Hill and Wesley Matthews and Robin Lopez and Sterling Brown, uh, Kyle Korver, uh, Ersan Eliasova, Marvin Williams, lots of dudes who were playing for them last year. Um, are the Bucks going to be better, worse, or the same? And are they the favorites in the East, Duran? 
Um, I think they're going to be better. I think that I, at least – well, okay. I think they're going to be better, and I think they're going to learn a little something from what happened in the playoffs last year, which was ugly. Yeah. Um, I think that they're still going to be the favorites to go to the finals. I don't think they're going to do it. Mm. Unless Giannis's herky-jerky shot starts to fall a little more. Um, I'm excited about about the upgrade that Drew Holiday is over Eric Bledsoe. That's that's really interesting, and and not having quite as much on on Chris Middleton's shoulders to just do what he has to do to make a make something happen when the wall is built for Giannis. Um, but I don't. Yeah, again, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they go to the finals. Seth, what do you think about the Milwaukee Bucks? I think that the Bledsoe versus Holiday thing is is interesting because they are as regular season players they're not that far apart in in their quality of play and in playoff players they could not be more far apart they should be the favorites in the east they should be better uh i don't know if they'll have the same kind of rampage over the the conference that they did no way the bubble no way they had so much depth the last two years and now they don't have that kind of depth i mean most of the guys they lost are guys that didn't really play actually take that back (laughs) yeah, <laughs> what? I it back. Yeah. But you know, they'll they'll have guys and Nick Stauskas is uh <laughs> Stauskas? <laughs> Stauskas? Uh the so, like, Giannis, I mean they were all the starters were sitting twenty five minutes in last year. Like it's not like they even needed the depth. The, yeah, but but in terms of them staying healthy and being able to because as the the Trial the ups and downs of a team's health are going to be exacerbated by COVID this year. Correct. And so if there are games where the Bucks don't have uh multiple guys that are in their rotation, they're in a significantly worse spot to deal with that than they have been the last two years. That being said, they've raised their playoff ceiling and we all like their chances better in a playoff series uh now, uh better than that we did last year. At least at least that that that's where I stand. Um with all that being said, we now come to the last question of this podcast, which is first Iran, then Seth, then myself. Who wins the Eastern Conference and why? Regular season or Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do both. Who finishes as the one seed and then who actually wins the Eastern Conference? Um Milwaukee finishes as the one seed because Bud doesn't know any other way of coaching. <laughs> um and they have the players to do it. Who actually ends up winning it? Oh man, um, you know it's it's as good of a field as we've seen maybe since I can remember. I mean, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember. I, a, I can't remember a more stacked Eastern Conference. There are seven teams that could win the East. Seven. There are seven teams. Actually, six, um, there, are six. there are six. We won't count Indiana. Six. I have five. Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, 76ers, Nets. That's six. I I don't I don't have the Raptors in there. Did you say that? Oh yeah, I actually. You know what? That's fair. I actually agree with you that I don't think the Raptors can win the can win the East. So fine. Uh, I don't have them in there. Bucks, um, Celtics, Heat, Sixers, Nets is still plenty because the Raptors and if we're saying the Raptors and Pacers are the sixth and seventh best teams in the East, uh, then that's that's about right as as stacked as they've been. Seth, who finishes finishes with the one seed in the East, and then who wins the East? The Bucks finish with the one seed. I have no decision on who wins the conference. So as a homer, I say the Celtics. Same. And as someone with no balls, I say the Bucks. Uh, I am going to say that the Brooklyn Nets are going to just have a really good regular season and they're going to finish with the one seed in the East. Wow. Um, that things are going to be peachy for a period of time with Kyrie and KD. And the fact that they are uh, not going to trade for James Harden and they are going to put that to bed and all those dudes are going to play with that kind of relief. Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Lavert, Joe Harris. Um, they are going to play and play well. And they're going to finish with the one seed. And the team that is going to win the Eastern Conference, <laughs> the team that is going to win the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers. They, they were my second choice. They, they're they, they going to they're gonna win the East uh, because it's going to be, I mean, the triple whammy uh, redemption story of Simmons and Bede, Maury and Doc 
uh, uh, would be just incredible. And I just think that as a one-two, no, I, 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 as much as we love Jalen Brown, as much as we enjoy Drew Holiday, as much as we love like Katie and, and Katie, the answer is the teams with the two best one-two combos are the Nets and the Sixers, uh, Katie and Kyrie, and then Simmons and Embiid. Is and, that true though? Is Kyrie what about the Heat? What? Is the Heat? I, I guess the Heat having Jimmy and Bam. Is, is Kyrie that good? Kyrie, when he's healthy, is 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 quite good. On offense, he's quite but, good on offense. But but, Katie is. I think that Kyrie was a really good compliment to LeBron. Maybe. I, I I don't think he's going to be as good for KD because KD, as incredible as he is, is not as good of a passer. I will say that the series I want to see most. That's actually a question we can leave you guys on. Is what? specific matchup between two teams in the East do you want to see the most? And for me, it's the 76ers in the heat. I want to see the 76ers in the heat uh, because I want, I want to see what MB does against Bam. And I want to see uh, Jimmy Butler try and get into Simmons. And I, I would just love, love that matchup. Give me the Celtics and the Nets. <laughs> Kyrie losing whatever game it is uh on the in in the garden um and having it having having to having to end his nba season with a rain of booze from the the celtics faithful from the socially distanced celtics faithful or the piped in no no fuck that the vaccine's gonna be the vaccine's (laughs) gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be at at the garden before the end of the year uh was rain of booze a pun rain of booze yeah no it wasn't but not bad I thought they stopped selling it after the third quarter. They do. But I, I, I think that that's I – li- I like these predictions. Um, I think that you guys were well-prepared. This was good. We didn't go super in-depth on these teams and sort of what each team's crunch time five is, which maybe we can do as we go through the season and see what each team's crunch time five is. Uh, but thank you, guys. Are, are, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for the NBA season? You mean the continuation of last year's season? <laughs> That's what it feels like. Um, I'm I'm excited to have the NBA back. I'm 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 more concerned about um, these guys' health than yeah, anything really. Big time, Seth. Yeah, I was a 12 out of 10 for the the bubble. I think now I'm very excited for basketball. I have to give it a seven because I am very fearful of what happens as much as. Silver and Co. have uh, done a fantastic job keeping people relatively safe. Let's hope that the NBA, the first preseason games, we're recording this on Thursday the 10th, are tomorrow, the 11th. What? Wild. Yeah. First preseason games are tomorrow. Can we bet on them? <laughs> yes. Probably. Um, I wouldn't. As always, you can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire at soundcloud.com slash fightingfirewithfire. Give us a follow on Spotify. Give us a follow or subscription on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Google Play. Uh, for Deron Fernandez O'Brien and Seth Blaustein, I'm AJ Rose. Fuck Mitch McConnell. Fuck that 78-year-old piece of shit. Let's hope that he doesn't wake up tomorrow. And we will see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.